Hello, it's Robert Bathurst here. I was one of the first guests on My Time Capsule, and Mike has asked me to tell you that you can now listen to the podcast ad-free by subscribing to Acast Plus. Details of how to join are in the description of each episode. Mike says it's very reasonably priced. In fact, Mike says it's a bargain. And who am I to disagree? Locked here in his cellar. Anyway, for a small subscription, Acast Plus, My Time Capsule, ad-free. Free. Unlike me. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Life is full of awesome what-ifs, and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hello, and welcome to My Time Capsule. I'm Mike Fenton-Stevens, and this is the podcast where I ask my guests to pick five things from their life that they would preserve in a time capsule, given the chance. Of course, I do give them the chance, as we talk through the four things they treasure and would wish to preserve, and the one thing they would like to see gone from their life, something they'd like to bury in the ground and never have to think about again. Talking with me about the five things they choose in this episode is the television presenter, podcaster and journalist, Kate Thornton, who, looking at her history, has loads of things to choose from. For example, she was the youngest ever editor of the pop magazine Smash Hits when she was just 21. She was also a contributing editor for the Sunday Times and the magazine Marie Claire. On television, she's presented The X Factor, presented 233 episodes of Loose Women, This Morning and even Lorraine. She's presented a number of programmes for BBC Radio, including Paper Cuts on Radio 2 and creating the series Line of Inquiry. Kate hosted the Strictly Come Dancing tours from 2008 to 2013 and currently hosts her own podcast, White Wine Question Time, where she asks three friends three questions over a bottle of wine. I wish I thought of the wine idea. Anyway, most extraordinarily, Kate is credited with the Elton John hit Candle in the Wind being associated with the death of Princess Diana. When she used the song with a photo tribute to Diana on the day of her death on the ITV current affairs programme Straight Up. As it was Sunday, the music library was shut, apparently, so she got the music from her car. The sort of natural inspiration that has marked her career. So... I hope you enjoy finding out what Kate Thornton would like to put in her time capsule. So, Kate, how lovely to have you on my time capsule. Well, it's your time capsule, really. We're going to find some things and put them into your time capsule and you shall possess it forever. Oh, that's some real comfort in that, actually, especially in these times uh, when I've spent probably, like everybody, the last 12 months clearing stuff out. Um, so it's really nice to kind of reverse that process and start thinking about what you'd really like to hold on to. It's sort of, in a way, decluttering your life down to the things you find essential. 
you'd be amazed at how little you need, actually, mm. in terms of what you actually hold dear. Yeah, it is. And it's not things, it's memories. Things you can dispose of quite readily. Yeah, that's true. I mean, people hang on to things, I think, because they remind them of memories. So they bring the memories back. Yeah, it's a so trigger. We, well, let's find out what your triggers are by, by finding out what the first thing is you want to put into the time capsule. Um, it only came to me as we were kind of setting up to record. So it wasn't on my list. And I have, uh, since you asked me to come on, been making notes on my phone about things that would potentially make the shortlist for my time capsule. And this this really wasn't one of them, but actually it feels really important. Um, and I'm going to put my podcast in there, but for my son. So my podcast is just over two years old and it was devised to mirror the conversations that I have with my friends, which can start at A and end at Z and go anywhere in between and run a riot and gamut of emotions from puerile to pertinent, from fascinating to facile. Mm. And I know that we all have that in our lives. We all have our core, our gang. And that's how White Wine Question Time started. I wanted to explore what it was to just let a conversation roll over a couple of glasses of wine. Um, and the first few episodes I did was all with people I know. So for my son, at some point in his life, he's 12 now, to be able to sit down and listen to me chatting with my friends and get to know me, not as his mum, but as as me, as, as a person. And it was really interesting, actually, because quite recently on my show, I had a guest on who is a mate, a wonderful actress called Shobna Galati. And Shobna had written a book whilst poorly, as, as you can imagine, with COVID. And in the sort of grips of grief, because she just lost her mum, and she wrote, so her book is called Remember Me, Discovering My Mother As She Lost Her Memory. And what, what happened with, Shobna had cared for her mother for many years through her kind of illness with dementia. And there were these moments where her mum would almost transport herself back in time and relive these very lucid moments that enabled Shobna to see her not as a mum, but as the woman that she had been, a woman, young married woman, a schoolgirl, you know, whatever it was, in whatever scenario, it enabled her to view her mother through a different lens. And her mother passed away and then Shobna got COVID. And she was so terrified that she wouldn't make it through COVID and that she wouldn't remember everything, even if she did, that she furiously wrote this book. And I thought it was quite wonderful that she was able to see her mum as something other than her mother. So I'd like to leave something in my time capsule for my son and hopefully any children that he may or may not go on to have to, to kind of know me by, really. And also to remember you as a sort of a vibrant young person. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Your children watch yeah. you grow old, and then, in a way, their memory of you is is as an old person, sadly, I think. Yeah, it is. You're quite right. I mean, maybe that will change with this generation because we live by video and mm -hmm. phone. And if I wanted to sit down and show my son video images of me as a child, I mean, it would take 20 minutes because that's probably all there is. Whereas I think for this generation, everything is captured and remembered digitally. Mm. Um, so maybe maybe I'm kind of living in my own past and thinking of how I'd like to remember my parents. But maybe actually all he needs to do is go on Google, which he's done <laughs> uh, and fills me with horror. 
Don't ever Google your mother. That's my <laughs> advice. <laughs> that sounds like the worst euphemism I've ever heard. It is when I'm your mother, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's a brilliant book by Penelope Lively called Moon Tiger, I think. It's a story of a very vibrant, exciting, sexy young girl during the Second World War. And you think that's what it's about. You think it's about this girl and her romances. And every now and again, it cuts to some bizarre conversation between nurses that you can't really understand. And then you realise as the book goes on that it's a woman right at the end of her life coming in and out of consciousness. And when she becomes unconscious, she's straight back to when she was a sexy, vibrant young girl. And it's vivid, more real than the ward. Many years ago, I'm probably going back over a decade now, my mum's mum had um, a form of... Form of dementia, I think I think you can say that. It's called Lewy Body Syndrome. And eventually had to go into a home. And she was wonderfully cared for there. But she would have these moments of lucidity, but travelling back 10, 20, 30, 40, sometimes 50 years. Mm-hmm. So you were almost with her in real time as she reenacted these these memories and these moments. And she lived in a care home in Cheltenham in Gloucestershire, which is where we're from. And it's a pretty small town, so inevitably she knew a lot of the other residents in the care home. So I'd go in to visit her and she'd say, you see her over there, she was married to Johnny the Butcher. I tell you, that wasn't a good marriage. And suddenly all of these women and men in the TV room in her care home were no longer old people. They were how she remembered them, at the height of their, their game, if you like, and, you know, there was one woman there who'd, who'd been a bit of a lady of the night. And looking at her now, I was like, really? And she, my, my nan said, you know, you did whatever you could. Ration books only took you so far. And actually, <laughs> the judgment fell away straight away because my nan wasn't judging her either. What she was saying is, it was tough and we did whatever we had to do to feed our kids, clothe mm. our kids to survive. Didn't know if the guys were coming back from war. When they did, they were so troubled. There was no therapy. So suddenly... All these men came back that we didn't particularly know anymore. They were mm. troubled. They were traumatised, PTSD, which wasn't even identified back then. No. They would then start throwing their fists around. So we became women who who'd literally held jobs and run the families and held the fort while they were away. And now they were knocking us around and we weren't going to have that. And suddenly this room of people in this TV room just took on something else. So I wrote a book treatment to try to explore extraordinary people but ordinary people who'd Mm. lived through war and I wanted to understand their lives and capture them in technicolor Mm. rather than this kind of black and white version of them slowed down in in this tv room no publisher would take it Mm. and now you look at the biggest selling book for certainly for amazon last year and it's richard osman's thursday murder club (laughs) which centers itself Slap bang in the middle of a retirement village where people underestimate the glory of these men and women. Yeah. The thing I love about your idea that this is for your son to look at, that really is a great idea for the whole time capsule, I think, that actually this is something that he can open and it will tell him about you. You don't sit and talk to your children in a way like you would talk to your contemporaries. No. And this is a chance for him to hear that. 100%. I mean, I think he certainly is, he listens a lot. Um, I know that much because he'll repeat things back to me and I think, okay, you overheard that phone call, which is inevitable. Yes. Especially if you're in the car. Um, (laughs) But also, I think we live in an age, like certainly with the age that he's at now, we're on a family cloud. 
so I can access his messages and equally he can access mine. Mm -hmm. So we're probably privy more to our parents in 2021 than we were maybe back pre-digital, you know, where I wouldn't, I mean, the only way I would know my mother would be through her address book back in the day and that wouldn't tell me anything other than people's addresses. Mm. I mean, it was only in those final days of my grandmother's life, those final years rather, that I started to understand her as the woman she was before I came along, before her own children came along. Mm. What was her life? What turned her head? What were her interests? What were her passions? How did she cope during the war? And what was it like when they all came back? Because, you know, we will all talk about, oh, do you remember when we went into lockdown? Well, they had their own far more brutal version of that, seven years of living through wartime Britain Mm -hmm. in the Second World War. Yeah. And, And actually, we never asked about that. No. Which is an extraordinarily dismissive thing to do about what was a moment in time history. They lived through history. And, you know, if I could have a capsule of conversations listening in on my parents, talking to their friends in their early 40s, mid 40s, you know, I would go and find a quiet corner and devour it. So I'm going to leave that for my son to enjoy someday. That's a great thing. And I hope he enjoys it with three glasses of white wine. Always. Always, yes. (laughs) Not at this age, but when he's old enough. (laughs) (laughs) Not these days, but those days will come. So we shall put your podcast (laughs) into the time capsule as your first item. Okay, Kate, let's move on to item number two and see what we've got. Okay. Um, I'd like to take some cleaning materials and put them in my time capsule. (laughs) I love cleaning. (laughs) It's my therapy. That's lovely. Um, uh, Yeah, it is. It really is, honestly. It's, um, I learned many, many years ago that all of us have our foibles and I definitely do. So my way of managing anything that feels like anxiety is to clean. And think, because if you do something mindless and mundane, Mm -hmm. that frees your brain up in the first instance. But you're not... If I was to sit in a chair and try to think through a problem, I would exasperate it, make it worse. It would amplify, it would mushroom. And and that that process would not help me. However, if I was to walk around thinking, I've got a problem, I've got a problem. Before you know it, I've got a mop in one hand, a dust buster in the other. I've got, you know, some bleach to hand, um, a Dettol spray, an e-cloth. I will just blitz this house until my mind is at rest. And then I stand back and I go, and the house is clean as well. This is amazing. (laughs) There is something really simple about putting, as I'm putting my house in order, I am also putting my mind in order. And it's fail-proof for me in as much as it's never not enabled me to work stuff out. Brilliant. Some people do it through running. Some people do it through drink. So that's my boiler. Some people do it with with a glass in their hand. I mean, everybody has their own way, but that's mine. So I think if you asked any of my friends what they associate me with, cleaning would definitely be in their top five mentions and it has bought me so much pleasure. I like the kick I get out of a jet wash, you will never understand. <laughs> it's almost orgasmic. <laughs> it's like, oh, the idea of jet washing a patio. I don't even have a patio, but I might get one just so I can jet wash it. When I first got a jet wash and I was feeling a bit <clears throat> tied up in knots, I suppose, I started jet washing the front of my house 
which is just like a paved area. And then before I knew it, because I hadn't hadn't worked my head out in time for me to finish the floor, I then started doing the walls. <laughs> I literally cleaned my house. <laughs> What's that about? That's not normal. No. But it helped me. It helped me. I mean, then it bothered me massively every time I pulled up in front of the house that it was only cleaned to a certain level because I couldn't get any higher. <laughs> <laughs> well, a jet wash is very therapeutic. I would agree with that. It really is. I jet washed my greenhouse the other day. Oh, I bet that was lovely. Oh, it was lovely. It's a lovely feeling. I mean, the back of my house is all glass and I can't bear it if... Even the rain is hard here in London. It's full of, like, lime scale. So... If it's been raining a lot, I have to clean the windows inside and out. And nothing gives me greater pleasure than looking out onto a tidy garden. And I even have AstroTurf so I can hoover it. <laughs> it was here when I moved in, but I was like, that's staying. That's brilliant. And you hoover the grass. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I look at my hoovered grass through my very clean windows and I'm happy. I don't expect anyone that lives with me to clean in the way that I do or to appreciate the end result in the way that I do. But boy, oh boy, does it do it for me. I don't know why. <laughs> That's brilliant. You would have really got on with my mum. You really would. <laughs> she left plastic on furniture and stuff like that. Oh, no. My nan used to do that in the best room. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in the best room. Nobody ever sat on it unless someone died. <laughs> then it could come off. Yeah, I like being around cleany friends. I've got friends that really get it. And we, for the second lockdown, I treated myself to a new dust buster. And there is a little WhatsApp group that was like, look at what I've bought, girls. <laughs> I even bought the pet version and we don't have pets. And there was a lot of ooh in and ah and it. it was like I'd uploaded porn. <laughs> um, and then there are other friends that just don't get it. And Nadia Sawala lives near me. And mm. Nadia posts quite regularly uh, about the state of her house, her drawers, her condiment drawer is just a thing of horror. <laughs> and I keep sending her text going... I'm begging you, please let me come and sort your house out. I beg you. She's like, go away, you freak. Sometimes it gives me anxiety looking at her Instagram feed. Genuinely. And I think sometimes she just posts it to annoy people like me and to, to give us a sleepless night. Does she always say the words, get a life under it? Don't you dare. You're never coming to my house. You're not allowed here. I'm banned. <laughs> never been. Funny that. Oh, my word. Uh, Kate, um, I once did an advert for Dustbusters. Did you? When they first came out, I did an advert for them. Oh. Mm, it was a terrible advert. But, you know, there are shots of me as a young man dustbusting away. Talk me through the ad. What was the storyboard? Um, it's a family. Family in the kitchen getting ready for dinner. And the sugar is spilt all over the work surface. <gasps> Shock horror. Don't worry. Dad's bought a dust, but Dad... Dad's bought a dustbuster, and very proudly, he hoovers up the sugar. Perfect lines right the way through it. And then they go around the house dustbusting everything, and they end up dancing around the house, singing uh, Dustbuster to the tune Blockbuster by Sweet. Nice. It sounds like the family I should have had. You said the words nice. Yeah. I, th- I think you're a bit mad. I do, I know, but that sounds great to me. <laughs> <laughs> Good times right there, Mike. <laughs> It was one of, honestly one of the most embarrassing things I've ever done. I would consider that a career high, but that's just me. All right, I'm going to put it top of the CV and it's going <laughs> right at the top. Well, I'm going to put everything in there. You've got Silit Bang. I've got I've all got the... My, there's these things called flash eraser squares. They're amazing. I go on about them a lot. You can get them in Poundland. And uh, 
you don't need any detergent and they will literally remove any stain from any surface. And if I've if I'm feeling particularly stressed, one of those I'm fine. Just one eraser square <laughs> and some skirting boards and I can get it all sorted. Well, then they go into the time capsule, an enormous cupboard full of anything you want. Oh. I've got all the cleaning materials. I've got scrub. I've got my son FaceTiming me. Look at that. Oh, no, look, it's my grandchildren. They're gone again now. They're getting embarrassed. They've just finished school, that's why. They have found out how to take his iPad and phone me up, so I do get FaceTimed by them quite regularly. Are you loving being a grandparent? I love being a grandparent. I really do. I, if I could spend all my time with them, I would. Uh, they talk to me all the time about a thing called imaginators. I haven't the faintest idea what it is. No. But as a grandfather, I went, oh, right, how much are imaginators? And they went, they're very expensive, Granddad. Of course, they're not. You can get them for two quid on eBay. Brilliant. So I bought tons of the things. <laughs> And every time they ring up, I go, look what I found in the cupboard, look. Uh-huh. And they go, oh, Granddad. Isn't it joyous? It's easy. I can buy love just like that. <laughs> so the, one of the greatest pleasures I have in life is watching my parents with my son. There's nothing quite like it. It's all the love I have in my world there together. And they just love each other so hard to the point that I can see, like, if my mum and dad come to stay and I say I'm staying in, absolutely disappointed like oh great so she's here that means we can't give him all the sweets all the treats it's true my son and my dad are pretty much two peas from the same pod i'd say Uh, they look alike their nature is almost in line with one another you know they're very easygoing my dad will arrive and i will open the front door and literally i am just the annoyance in the way and he will literally push past and go where is he Hello, big boy. I'm like, hi, Dad. Hello, big boy. Do you want me to help you out? Come on, then. Look what I've got. Been to the shops. I'm just the vessel that delivered the child. Well done. You've served your purpose. But it is a joyous thing. And I, I think that's one of the things I'm most looking forward to in life is getting to do this, but as a grandparent. It must just be lovely. All the things that you love in little people created by your own little person. Wow. And, of course, going back to your first item... You will be able to sit down with your grandchildren and talk to them about those things when you don't talk to your own children about them. It's really interesting because my parents are, I mean, my dad was always a bit of a a soft touch (laughs) and my mum was always left to be the disciplinarian and she was quite strict with me and my brother growing up. Soft as shit with my son. I mean, like, (laughs) I mean, unbelievable. You know, we'd go on all these family holidays, which were deemed terribly exotic when we were kids because we went abroad, you know, first on the coach to France. And then we, we started going to Spain and then Ibiza. And our family, my wider family were like, God, you know, Sandra and Dennis and those little nippers off again. Blimey. But those magical moments, memories of, of those holidays are great. But my mum would like, for, for example, never get in the sea never get in the pool, never build a sandcastle. She was like, your dad likes doing it, he's doing it. I'm on holiday, let her with my book. <laughs> now, she takes my son away. She does all of those things with him. And, which is brilliant, one of her most recent trips to hospital was a broken arm because she was in goal playing football with him. I was like, who even are you? <laughs> this was not the mother that raised me. <laughs> they took her away and they replaced her with this woman. <laughs> yeah, an imposter. <laughs> okay, that's really lovely. Right, so um, we've got two items in the time capsule so far. So what else have we got? 
Okay, this is the point in the podcast where we take a little break in case the podcast provider you're listening on wants to put some adverts in. Let's find out, shall we? We'll be back in a sec. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome back. And did you know that ad break is different for nearly every listener? Fascinating, isn't it? Let's hope you had some ads because that's how we get paid. Right, back to the lovely Kate Thornton and the next thing she wants to put in her time capsule. I'm going to put a book in because I love books and I realise I can't have Wi-Fi or an e-reader. So I was quite hard on myself and I said, you've got to choose one. So I've gone with Harper Lee to Kill a Mockingbird because I just think it's beautiful Mm. and it's an education and it's reassuring and it's so beautifully written. I love it. It's a way for us to remember how far we've come in terms of prejudice and how far we still have to go, no matter what year you dig it up. I would imagine that that prejudice will exist in some form. And it's something that we've either got to, if we've overcome it, great. But I would imagine even if we get to a point where we're on top of it, we still have to manage that. Mm. So I think it's it, it's always going to be a timely reminder, no matter when my time capsule is dug up. That really never judge people by their cover or their colour or their disabilities And that prejudice is taught. It's not something we're born with. So if you can learn it, you can unlearn it. Mm -hmm. So let's unlearn it. I find it hard to believe that all my life that's been a problem. That's what I find astonishing is my life seems quite long now. I look back on it and think, well, that's a long time. My youth, my childhood seems an alien world in comparison with the modern world. So I sort of, in a way, slightly forgive that time for its ignorance But there's no excuse now. No excuse at all. No excuse at all. And it has to change. I think it will. You Mm. have to remain hopeful. But also, equally, we can't just sit here going, oh, I hope it will change. You you have to be part of that change. So you have to talk about it. You have to educate your children. Um, You know, my son is incredibly what my, I'm sure my parents' generation would term as woke. But I'm, I'm on board with that. You know, he'll call them out and call them up on any anything that they say that feels to him unfair, prejudicial, 
Um, and it might just be said in jest, and he is being quite literal about it, but he, yeah, he calls them out on it. Yes. Well, if you look at the whole world at the moment, the sensible things that are being done in the world are being led by very young people. Mm. Climate change. Greta Thunberg, yeah. All the people in charge are saying, oh, no, absolutely, yes, no, we agree, we must do something. And they're talking about it, but finally, finally, they're they're admitting, no, we do have to do something. Yeah, we do. And actually, the point is, we can't not do something. And that's our fault. That happened on our watch. And now we're leaving it in the hands of the next generation to sort it out with this alarming sense of emergency. And I think, you know, as much as this pandemic has been, you know, one long, hot hell, there are lessons that we've learned from it. And what we've learned is when you come together, when you pull your global resources, amazing things can happen. We found a vaccine for a deadly virus in under a year and we're distributing it and it's working and it's it's working against all of the different mutations and variants thus far. And that is remarkable because we were all incentivized because everybody was on the playing field. It might not have been even, but we were all we're all in the same storm, travelling in different boats, if you like. Um, we have to then apply that same mentality to climate change, for example, um, to prejudice. Yes. Because if we all come together, brilliant things can happen. And we've just evidenced that. We've just proved it. And I know I sound very, very like, you know, like some sort of ageing Miss World contestant. But you have to <laughs> believe those things. Otherwise, what do you believe in if you don't think you can better the situation? No, David Attenborough recently, I think, said to all the world leaders when they got together, or the G7, said it's too late to stop climate change, but we can stop it being the end of everything for us. Yeah. We talk fondly of our grandchildren and children, and we can't possibly accept that, as you say, on our watch, we've allowed something that will make their futures impossible. Yeah. But along with that goes all the other changes in attitude. The burying of heads in the sand mm. is a common occurrence throughout humanity's history. And it's something that we have to stop. We have to accept the truth. So when you say about uh, you know, Harper Lee and To Kill a Mockingbird, when that was written, it was an extraordinary thing for, for an American to be saying. Unbelievable. Yes, really. it was. In America at that time, people were still incredibly prejudiced. Not just prejudiced. I mean, let's let's call it for what it is, racist. They were racist, yeah. Absolutely. It was built into the system. And so to sit down and write a book that amazing was an extraordinary thing to do. And the fact that it still resonates so strongly now and yet feels as if, it, oh, you're right, oh, we really ought to do something about that. And you go, my word, that's incredible that it's that it didn't change the world, that it didn't actually achieve what it wanted to do. no. Which is a travesty. I also think it's been taken off the national curriculum because I may be wrong on this. I may have to Google it. Um, I'm going to Google it. Um, to Kill a Mockingbird. Because I think, yeah, To Kill a Mockingbird and Of Mice and Men is axed from the GCSE syllabus uh, as Michael Gove orders more British literature. What a load of shite. Yes, he is a load of shite, isn't he, Michael Gove? You're right. Yeah. <laughs> I still don't think that To Kill a Mockingbird shouldn't be on our GCSE syllabus. I think it's probably more important now than ever before. No, I'd agree with that. A beautiful book. Mm. Well chosen. Thank you. OK, we'll put it into the time capsule and then it'll be on your son's syllabus because he's going to sit and listen to you chatting away to all your mates and then he's going to say, I, I need to read a decent book. 
And there it will be. There it will be. <laughs> and then the next thing I was going to put in there, I wanted to put some music in because, God, I love music. And then it's it's almost this, it's a torment, isn't it, of what can I put in there? Can I make a playlist? Yeah. Can I? Yeah, of course you can. <gasps> you've changed everything. Yeah, you ought to have the music that you love. Okay, in which case, um, oh gosh, so much, so much. Um, so George Michael, uh, Listen Without Prejudice, would definitely be on there. Um, as one of my favourite full albums of all time. Mm-hmm. And it just has such strong memories of growing up for me and loving music and listening to it in so many different ways. So George Michael was an artist that wrote everything, played everything, arranged everything and produced everything. Mm. And I studied every aspect of his music on that record. I was like, how does he do that? Oh, listen to his backing vocals. Listen to that. Look at the arrangement on that. Oh my God, isn't that... So I fell hopelessly in love with that record in the same way that I fell hopelessly in love with Stevie Wonder's songs in the key of life and <laughs> Innovisions. Um, I thought they were remarkable. And then I fell in love with music like Joan Armour Trading's Love and Affection, oh. probably of all the songs in the world, the one that I would choose above all others. I think my wife would agree with you on that. Would she? Mm, she loves that song. I, don't think, I think it was released the year I was born. And I don't even know how I heard it, but it's from the moment I heard it, it became mine. And I love that songs can do that because <laughs> yeah. it's not mine, obviously, it's Jones. And it's whoever else loves it, it's theirs. And that's the beautiful thing about music. But I love it so much. So they would definitely be in there. There would be some Fleetwood Mac in there, loads of Aretha, a bit of ABBA. I mean, something for every mood, something to take <laughs> you up and something to take you down. The Stones, oh gosh, you know, music can, it's such an energy, isn't it, to music? It, and it's so emotive, it's so sensory that, yeah, I would need a core list of tunes that I would, and I'm, I'm using here artists and songs that I've never grown tired of. So they've already stood the test of time for me. This isn't something I love right now. This is something I've loved for as long as I can remember. Do you remember what the first song was that you introduced on Top of the Pops? No. No. Isn't that dreadful? No, it's not dreadful. No. I should imagine you were thinking, oh, my God, what do I do next? When I got the job on Top of the Pops, it was with two hours' notice. (gasps) So I wasn't thinking straight at all. I was at home decorating (laughs) when I got a call from the director and producer who said, if you can get to Elstree in the next hour or so, you can present this week's episode. This presenter's just gone sick on me, so I can't remember what I was thinking. Wow. And we all thought that was a fashion statement, all those splashes of gloss no. across your nose. <laughs> it did literally go on looking like a decorator's radio. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. That's an extraordinary thing. Mm. Good God, how terrifying. Well, maybe not. Maybe it was a good thing that it was quick. It was exhilarating. Exhilarating. It was initially terrifying. I it's like, yeah, I have... I have a thing with fear and nerves where I have to, I don't allow it. I just have to snap it out and say, no, it's whatever you want to call it. So I'm calling this feeling excitement and it's not fear. And if it's excitement, I can do something good with it. If it's fear, it could well paralyze me. So it's it's what you allow it to be. Mm. Don't know if that works for anyone else, but it's got me out of a few scrapes. <laughs> well, you weren't exactly backward in coming forward, were you? I mean, if you look at your career going through, you've done the most extraordinary things at quite an early age. Mm, and... Very early. 
I think it's a real example of, of, yeah, okay, ask me to do it and I'll have a bloody good go. But that was it. I always just thought, well, the worst thing is is that I'll be terrible at it and it'll be a bit embarrassing for a moment, um, but that will pass. And I don't know how I had that that ability to be quite wise about it, but I just thought better to regret the things you do than things you don't. And to be honest, when somebody phones you up and says, do you want to host Top of the Pops and you are that pop-loving teenager back in your bedroom, pressing play and record, making your weekly mixtape, listening to the charts. <laughs> Frankly, you, you, there's got to be something wrong with you if you say no in that situation. And I was never going to say no to that. It was far too exciting. No. And I, I have been very lucky that opportunities have found me as much as I've found them. And probably I was probably far braver then than I am now in terms of saying yes to things. Although, no, hold on, let me reframe that. I definitely went through a phase of not being that brave. And then I think once I hit my sort of early 40s, I genuinely became a lot more fuck it about things. Like, what's the worst that can happen? You know, you fall on your face, people laugh. I've been doing that anyway, just behind your back. It's fine. <laughs> just get on with it. The people that love you, love you. And, you know, I think once you know that you've got Everything you need in your world, by the way, you, you know, you, you've got your people, your supporters, your yeah. friends um, that love you no matter what. doesn't matter if you go out and make a tit yourself. It's just an anecdote. It's fine. Yeah. And things come and things go. That's the way life is. Totally. That is the way life is. And which we don't prepare ourselves or our children enough for that. We have to, certainly in the world we live in now, everything, you know, there's no job for life. Unless you go into law or medicine or, you know, there are exceptions, I get. But actually, most of our children will go on to have four or five iterations of their professional careers, mm. their, their professional selves. We have to prepare them for that so that they don't feel like that's a failing. Yeah, even the professions of law and medicine are constantly retraining. Totally. They're constantly relearning their art or their skill. And actually... If somebody told you at 18 you had to make a decision about what you wanted to eat for lunch every day for the rest of your life, you'd be mortified. <laughs> so why does that apply to the way you spend your working day? Mm -hmm. Nobody wants the same lunch every day. Yeah, very good analogy. I think it's absolutely true. So I will say to my son, like, he's like, well, I'm either going to be this, that or the other. I went, or you can be all of them. You could even try to do it all at the same time. Up to you. Your call. No one, like, I just want all those sort of stay in your lanes, that, that, all that, that stay in your lane mentality taken away so that we're allowed to be anything we want to be, everything that we want to be, mm -hmm. not just one of the things that we want to be. Life's too short. Yeah, but it's difficult. That pressure on people to be in their own little category and to not do what they might have the ability to do, mm -hmm. it's still there. It's still a part of society, I think. At school, I was told, I said, I want to be a journalist. And my careers advice officer told me, you should be a typist. Oh, Lord. And I hate that. The ceiling's wherever you put it. Absolutely. Not where someone else has. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. There really is no limit. I think you're absolutely there right. There isn't. And we've just got to take away these kind of um, yardsticks that we all live by. It's other people's measurements of how we should live. Like, measure yourself. We're all different. Yeah. Well, I'm sure that the world will change and I'm sure that our attitudes to work will change and what work is mm. will change because it's almost impossible, I think, as the world becomes mechanised and uh, automatic and things are done by machines more and more. There's so many jobs that we do that we won't need to do. No. So what are we all going to do? And unless we accept that work can be being nice to people, 
popping around and checking on old people or picking up the litter. Mm. Just, I don't know, being part of society. Yeah, being present in your community. I think we've all learned that this last year. The trick now is to make sure we don't forget it. Absolutely true. Okay, well, then we're going to take a lovely collection of the songs that have withstood the test of time. That's the name of your compilation album. That's my playlist, yeah. Lovely. Songs you'll never tire of. <laughs> yeah. Okay, great. So what we've we done so far, Kate, we've done the songs, your podcast, the cleaning products, which I love. Yeah. <laughs> and we've done To Kill a Mockingbird, so I've got one more thing. This is the thing you said you had no trouble thinking about because it's something you want to get rid of. Oh, so I can't put a good thing in? Well, not really, no. Well, you've done four good things. No, you okay. Because you chose the podcast. Oh, God, now I feel really bad that I've... You chose the podcast and yeah. had knocked one of them out. So the other thing that I was going to put in was the night my son was born because I was so battered from delivering him that I'd love to go back and just have a second chance to live that night. So not giving birth to him but being with him. So now I've said it, it feels like it's almost in there. Okay, so these are my shortlists for the things that I just wanted to eradicate from our world. Mm -hmm. You can help me decide which I go with. Okay. Homeschooling. (laughs) Creepy men that DM you on Instagram, starting with the words, hello, dear. Online scammers, people that have been taking advantage during the pandemic of people at their most vulnerable, unforgivable. Or... People referring to champagne and Prosecco as fizz and bubbles. I mean, it pisses me off in ways I don't understand. (laughs) I'm going to go with that. I can't bear it. It's a very important thing to put in. My God, that's annoying, isn't it? What? Why? Do you fancy a glass of fizz? No, I want champagne or Prosecco, but don't call it fizz and bubbles. It's just, I don't know why it annoys me so much, but if I read it, I flinch. And if I hear it, I sort of I flinch as well. And I had to sort of fess up to my old school friends quite recently. We were on a Zoom. And in the end, I had to say, I'm so sorry, girls. Can we please not call it fists and bubbles? It just, well, why? What's wrong with you? I don't know. I just, I can't even, you know, actually, you know, the intelligent part of me is going, call it what you like, let them be. It's just, it's up there with people eating apples while they're on the phone to you. Just so annoying. (laughs) I mean, who thinks, I know, I'm going to make a phone call and eat an apple. No, don't call me. (laughs) Don't call me and do that. I'd rather you were on the toilet. (laughs) You're completely right, Kate. I'm with you wholeheartedly. It's an alcoholic drink called champagne, and let's call it that. Or Prosecco. Yeah. Yeah. We don't call whiskey frisky. Because it sounds more fun, we call it bloody whiskey. <laughs> and also on that note, just people that get in touch with you that have never met you before in your life, so invariably on social media, and call you Hun, H-U-N. No, <laughs> just, just hi will do. I don't want to be a Hun. I don't want fizz and bubbles. That's it. It's really quite simple. Listen, none of these things are deliberately offensive. I'm being utterly unreasonable. And deeply unkind, actually, because these people are just going about their lives, calling me Han, offering me drinks by their incorrect name, meaning no harm to anyone. Inside, I'm furious. (laughs) Quite right. Let it out. Let it out. That's it. Come on. Rage at the world. It's terrible, isn't it? Terrible. No, it's not. You can get rid of that thing. It's gone from your life. What it means is 
But when we put it in there, people can call it fizz, they can call it bubbles, and you'll just go, yeah, whatever. Doesn't bother me anymore. It's gone. Most days I can just let it go. Mm -hmm. Some days it makes me... It makes me want to say something, and I don't like that part of myself, but I can't help that part of myself. In the same way that I will never be able to get through a patch of anxiety without a cleaning cloth, there will be days when I won't be able to correct somebody for calling champagne fizz. Yeah. Well, hun... uh... (laughs) Beautifully timed, Mike. I'm going to go off and have some fizz. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe... Round off the day with a glass of frisky. Why not? Um, <laughs> and then I'm going to have some randy brandy. Randy brandy. And a lovely glass of... Bubbles. Bubbles? That's like washing up liquid. <laughs> oh, it started so well and I ended up being such a crank. I have really enjoyed talking to you and developing my time capsule. It's been absolutely fantastic. Thank you so Pleasure. much. Pleasure. It's all mine. <laughs> Thank you, Mike. You have been listening to My Time Capsule with me, Mike Fenton-Stevens, and my guest, Kate Thornton. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed it, then why not have a listen to some of the other episodes we've made in the last year? Yes, My Time Capsule has been going for a whole year. And in that time, I've been lucky enough to fill a time capsule for Stephen Fry, Rebecca Front, Mark Gatiss, Rufus Hound, Griffiths Jones, David Jason, David Mitchell, Rob Bryden, Lee Mack, Tim Vine, Lucy Porter, and over 80 other delightful stars of film and TV. Of course, I've also had to dig a bloody hole for every time capsule, so it's not been a complete barrel of laughs. Still, you should see my biceps. Anyway, before I go, here are some interesting facts. You can hear every episode and all the ones we've got coming up if you subscribe to this podcast on Acast or wherever you get your podcasts, where you can rate us and, in some instances, leave a review. You can turn lead into gold with a particle accelerator. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. Just search at MyTCPod. On Venus, the sun rises in the west because it rotates clockwise. This was a cast-off production produced by John Fenton Stevens. Half of these facts come from the QI website. The theme tune for this podcast is available on Spotify and is by Pass the Peas Music. And the word apanthropy means a desire to be away from people. So... For all you apanthropic sorts out there, bye. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. The secret to visibly firmer, summer-ready skin is here. Osea's number one best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil. Clinically proven to instantly improve skin elasticity and transform dull, dry skin to silky, soft, and unbelievably glowing. Rich yet never greasy, Andaria Algae Body Oil is formulated with sustainably sourced seaweed to help replenish the skin's moisture barrier and seven nourishing active botanical oils for results you can see and feel all over. The best part? It's signature scent. 
A blend of freshly squeezed grapefruit, cypress, and mango mandarin transports you to sun-kissed summer days. This all-natural scent is unforgettable. Everything Osea makes is clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Get healthy, glowing skin for summer with clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A-Malibu.com code GLOW.